Good to see you all here. Good to have Sunday with us. Uh, I wanted to start off with asking you to turn back your clock for a while. I want you to, you to go back into time. And I'll tell you why. We're, the whole month of March is all about reflecting. We're having reflections on the scripture and the people who were involved during Holy Week. Specifically today, our reflections are on Pilate and, the, and, and his role of making a decision about Jesus Christ. Was he who he said he was? Was he innocent? And so I want you to think about making a decision for Jesus Christ. When did you do that? And let's turn back your personal clock to before you made that decision. Maybe you had already heard that of his claims, that the Bible says that he was God from heaven, that he was born in Bethlehem as a baby, not just a human baby, but God in the flesh, and that Jesus grew up and taught people and uh, lived a righteous life, showed us how we could live, and then died a sinner's death. Not because he was a sinner, but because he was being the sacrifice for all sinners. You had already heard, I suppose, that he rose from the dead on Easter, that he ascended into heaven, and that he said, I'm coming back. You've heard that you can have your sins forgiven by placing your faith in God's grace, by responding to Jesus. I'd like to say that you surrendered to him. Or like we've been singing, you came to the altar. The Father's arms were open wide, you know. Uh, uh, we used to sing, Jesus is calling, tenderly calling, calling, oh sinner, come home. And before you took that step, before you actually said, you know, it's not just that I've heard these things, but I believe them. I'm choosing to put my trust in Jesus. Now, can you go that far back? Can you remember before you made that decision? And what was holding you back? It seems like there are all kinds of excuses. And yet, somehow, you made that choice. But, but forget that for now. Let's go back before you made that choice. For me, it would be before I was in the front seat of my father's pickup driving to Leona Valley to a job site. I was in fifth grade, so I was 10 years old. And uh, before he said to me, now, Evan, when are you going to make your decision for Jesus? It was before that. It was before uh, I heard that in the papers. I think I was about third grade, so this would have been maybe 1960, 61. Probably if you Google it, you would, could find the exact date. But I, I had heard there was talk on the news that all the planets were lining up. And this might be the end of the world. And I remember asking my mom, is this really going to be the end of the world? I don't know what to do. And she, she calmed me by saying, oh, don't worry about that. I don't think that's going to happen. But I wasn't really asking a question about the solar system. 
I was asking a question about my soul. I, I knew that I wasn't right with God. And I wanted to know, what do I do to get right with God? So she sort of missed the intent of my question. But my father was the one who said, when are you going to make that decision? You know, I was a good kid growing up. We went to church every Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. I did Sunday school classes all the way through. Of course, I broke a few windows. I told a few lies. I colored with the crayons on the walls. I threw a rock and hit the next door neighbor girl right in the head. So maybe I wasn't all that good. But all of us just have this nagging feeling. I know I'm not right with God. So when the best news comes, why don't we just decide, yes, I'm accepting Jesus? Well, there are reasons why. And that's what we want to reflect on today. So it all has to do about uh, what the, today's focus is all on Pilate and who he was and that choice he had to make. Did he really believe in who Jesus was? He had the right to set him free of the accusations or turn him over to be crucified. So let's get your Bible out. The story is in all four of the Gospels. But specifically, I want us to look at the Gospel of John today. And, uh, but before we jump into the scripture, which is John chapter 18, and it goes on through chapter 19, in the, in the uh, Bible, in the chair rack in front of you, it's all on two pages, 1682 and 83. 1682. But let me give you a little bit of background, because I was often confused. <clears throat> There's so many different people involved in this, and different trials and so on. Who were all these people? And uh, so in my mind, it helps me to think of the size of their responsibility and jurisdiction and compare it to something that makes sense to me. So let's just make a list of some of the, the leaders that were mentioned in the scripture all during the life of Jesus and especially during that last week. So for example, right at the top of the list, let's mark down Caesar. All right, you've heard of Caesar. Uh, actually, there were many Caesars. In fact, Caesar is more of a title than it is a name. So you have Julius Caesar and Augustus Caesar and Claudius Caesar's, a Caesar. And then there's little Caesars too. He was the one who invented pizza, but he's not in the Bible. So of course, the Caesar was the emperor of the entire empire of Rome. So I would say this is, in my mind, kind of like being the president of a country. In other words, it's a huge amount of territory and you have the top level of responsibility. And it was, you know, Caesar was off in Rome somewhere. He didn't have much to do with what was happening in Palestine, although he was the ruler over all of the territories. So that's Caesar, and he's mentioned in our text today. Now there's another group of leaders who all go by the name of Herod. There is Herod the Great. 
and Herod the not-so-great. Well, he wasn't called that. Herod Antipas and Herod Antipas II and uh, Herod Agrippa and so on and so forth. So, but again, Herod was a family name. So there's more, I think there's seven people in the New Testament who all go by the name of Herod, but they're different people. So the Herod that killed the babies when Jesus was born was different than the Herod who, who uh, martyred uh, James and so on. But in the Bible, they're almost always bad guys. I mean, they're, they're working against the purposes of God in many occasions. So Herod has a smaller jurisdiction, but still quite a large territory. I would think of him similar to a governor of a state. So, you know, the emperor has all the authority, but he divides it up, and the states have other authority. That would be Herod. And he sometimes was close enough that he would be in Jerusalem. Certainly, he was covering those events, and ultimately, he was the king of that area. And then we have today's person that we're zeroing in on, and that's Pilate. And he had actually a smaller jurisdiction, but he was more actively involved in it. Now, Herod was partly Jewish and partly Roman, but Pilate was Roman. In fact, most of the time he lived over in the Roman city of Caesarea, but there were times he had to be in Jerusalem just because things were going on, and he was responsible for that. He was, he was the boots on the ground, so to speak. I would think of him as like the county sheriff. Uh, he's the one who would have you arrested or put you on trial. Actually, he was like a judge, too, because he's the one who would decide the case. So Pilate had a lot of power, especially locally, right there in Jerusalem and Judea and that territory. And then there was also mentioned in our text today a religious leader by the name of Caiaphas. Some people call him Caiaphas. Caiaphas was an influential religious leader. Think of maybe, I don't know, Billy Graham, who would uh, uh, meet with the president or meet with other dignitaries and have influence on them. But there is a difference because now there's so much going on in, let's say, Jerusalem because the Jewish people were being governed by Romans. But Caiaphas was the one who was trying to keep Jewish things Jewish. But he really didn't have that much authority. He had authority through uh, what, what happened inside the temple. In fact, Romans weren't allowed to come into the inner parts of the temple. And also, here's the difference between Caiaphas and Billy Graham he had a whole army of security guards. And they would go around with weapons and they would make you do what, they would make you follow the rules. So he had a lot of authority. And in fact, if you broke some of their religious rules, they would just pick up a bunch of rocks the size of grapefruit and they would stone you. They had that much authority. So these are the players. And we hear all these names, but you keep in mind they're different ranks 
in different regions with different amounts of authority, but this all comes crashing together when Jesus is on trial in John chapter 18. Now, all the Gospels tell the story because it is central to the theme of the Bible, how our sins are forgiven, and it's all centered in Jesus, but today we're just focusing on reflecting on what happened when Pilate had to make a decision. So let's turn to the text now. We're going to focus on Pilate's role in the trial of Jesus. And I'm going to take a, a little bit of time to do some explaining here because, quite frankly, if you just read through this story as John has given it to us in chapter 18 and 19, there are parts of it that just really don't make sense to me. Or it doesn't sound like, did they really say that kind of thing? Why don't they just talk in plain English? Well, they weren't speaking English for one thing. And it's all of these other issues going on behind the scenes. If you're not aware of the political turmoil and, and the um, jealousy that these various leaders have against each other, then you're missing out on some of what's happening. So let's read through and let me stop at different points. And then we're going to reflect on, as I said, why is it so hard for people to decide about Jesus? You've noticed that, haven't you? I mean, not only in your own life, when you were trying to make that decision, but people you talk to or people you hear from. Why is it hard for them to say, yes, Jesus is God's son. Yes, he is the Lord of the universe. Yes, he deserves my loyalty. Yes, I'm going to follow him. Why is that so hard? We're getting there, but first here. John chapter 18, verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. That would be both a place where he would reside when he was in town and also where he would rule when he was making decisions. By now, it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they, the Jewish leaders who were bringing Jesus before Pilate, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. We can't go into the home or the uh, courtroom of a Roman because as soon as you step foot in a Roman residence, you are defiled for seven days and you wouldn't be able to celebrate the Passover. Now, isn't it odd? They're trying to kill Jesus but they're concerned about being ceremonially unclean. Oh, we wouldn't dare step on a, a Roman threshold, but let's kill this guy. It's very curious, but John is very good at pointing out irony in so many places. Verse 28, so Pilate came out to them. I guess as a courtesy, I mean, he said, all right, you won't come in, I'll come out. What's up, he says. What's the indictment? Or as John puts it, what charges are you bringing against this man? So we have someone, we're going to put him on trial. Okay, what are the charges he wants to know? Now listen to what they say. If he were not a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Now, what kind of trial is this? They've already decided he's guilty. He needs to be killed. And it's not really they're trying to find out who he is. They're just wanting to get rid of him. So 
pilot can tell something's fishy. They don't bring any charges. They just say, hey, obviously he's wrong. We wouldn't have brought him here if he wasn't a wrongdoer. So Pilate can sniff this out. <laughs> oh, you guys, here you go again. I'm tired of you guys. Besides, it's early in the morning. What time is it, 6 o'clock, 6.30? By the way, they weren't allowed to pass a death sentence in the middle of the night. So as soon as the sun's up, now here they are asking for the death sentence. Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. So the Romans had their laws, but they're talking about something else. This, these are those Jewish leaders who, this is Caiaphas. Yeah, they have all those rules about the temple. He must have broken some temple rules. So you take care of it at your level. I'm not going to handle it at my level. Verse 31, the second half. But we have no right to execute anyone they objected. So again, is this a fair trial, or have they already decided? And besides, why are they saying they can't execute someone? Because actually, they could stone someone, but they don't want a stoning. They want him on a cross. They want him suffering. They want him humiliated. So it's actually not true when they say, we have no right to execute anyone. But here's where you know what they're saying is, we don't have right to crucify anyone. We need your permission to do that. And so John points this out in verse 32. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. He knew it. Verse 33. Pilate went back inside the palace and summoned Jesus and asked him. This guy doesn't look like a king, by the way. He's wearing a plain robe. He's a teacher. Are you the king of the Jews? Now, what's the answer to that question? Why didn't Jesus just say yes or no? In verse 34, he says, is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? So here's where I think, what, what is this dialogue? Are you the king of the Jews? Why didn't he just say yes or no? By the way, what is the answer to that question? Is it yes or is it no? Yeah. Or is it no? So, so actually, it depends on how you're looking at it. If you're talking about the Roman idea of a king, are you trying to take over Herod's place or Caesar's place? Are you trying to start a political revolution? Do you have soldiers and uh, an army and horses and weapons? Are you that kind of king? Well, that answer is what? No. no. But are you talking about the Jewish idea of a Messiah who's going to come in, and rule in righteousness? The Jewish idea of a king. Well, then the answer is, yeah. yeah. So. Jesus really can't say yes or no unless he knows what Pilate's getting at. So when he says, are you a king? Pilate says, well, now who's asking? You as a Roman? Or are you asking about the Jewish king? Because the answer is either yes or no, depending on what you're thinking. And so Pilate says, uh, Verse 34, is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Are, are you 
bringing in Caiaphas and those people who don't like what I'm doing in the temple. Now, so Pilate answers this way. Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests have handed you over to me. What is it you have done? So he says, I'm not Jewish. I want to know if you're trying to take over my role as a political leader. Are you trying to take over Herod, my boss? Or are you trying to take over uh, Caesar's role? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. So did he answer the question rather clearly? I'm not a political king. I'm here for spiritual reasons. Do you see an army? Do you see soldiers with weapons? That's not my gig. Verse 37. But he did say, my kingdom, right? So Pilate then answers, well, you are a king then. And that's where Jesus says, you got it. He doesn't deny it. Yes, I am a different kind of king. Actually, verse 37. You are a king then. And Jesus answered, you said it. Yeah, he said it. I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. I'll, what is truth? Now, this version says, what is truth retorted, Pilate? I don't know if he retorted or hollered or walked away disappointed. I don't know if he was just cynical. It's really just the word he said this. And you could put a lot of spin on this. But he's saying, you know, I just don't want to deal with this. And besides, they think one thing, I think another. I don't know what you're thinking. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. And with this, he went out again to the Jews, gathered there, and said, clearly now, and this is, he can tell he's innocent. I find no basis for a charge against him. And then he says, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? Now, why does he bring this up? Because he knows he's in a quandary. They want blood. They want something. And this guy's innocent. So he's sort of making a plea bargain. Look. I will, I, I know he hasn't done anything wrong, but we'll go ahead and like condemn him and then I'll just let him go. There is this clause that I can let someone go, a, a, a condemned prisoner. So I will, so to speak, condemn him, but then, so you'll get what you want, but then I'll release him so I get what I want. You see what's going on? He's making a deal with him. How about if we just say, all right, yes, he's broken the law, and then I'll set him free. That's not what they want. They want his blood. And so they say, they shout it back, no, give us Barabbas. And John tells us Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. What kind of uprising do you think that was? It was a political uprising. He was trying to take over the political system. He was trying to take over, I don't know, um, Herod or Pilate or Caesar. In fact, so here's a guy guilty of what they're trying to condemn Jesus of. Let him go. So this really shocks Pilate. He thought he had a good idea and a deal, but they're not biting on it. So then Pilate, I'm in chapter 19 now. 
Then Pilate took Jesus in and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe, went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They slapped him in the face. And then once more Pilate came out and said to him, said to them, so in other words, he said, look, I beat the living tar out of him. Is that enough for you guys? All right, you want blood, I've given you blood. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know I find no basis to charge of him. So is, he's not guilty. Is this good enough for you? And when Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe, Pilate said to them, here's the man. And as soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they said, that's not enough blood. We want more blood. Crucify, crucify. <coughs> Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis of charge against him. And the Jewish laws the Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to the law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. You know, some people say Jesus never claimed to be God. That's what he was killed for, claiming that. And when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside to the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? I'm so, it, Jesus knows what's going to happen. He's not trying to get out of it. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And here's where Jesus lets him know what's going to happen. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. And from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Now they're going to the top. By the way, he had already been called in before Pilate had because they didn't like what he was doing. So the thought of going to the higher ups, this is like, I can't go there. I can't do this. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. And when Pilate heard this, verse 13, he brought Jesus out and sat him on the judge's seat in the place known as the stone pavement, Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation. It was Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. And they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar. Silent. can you imagine Jewish temple leaders saying, Caesar is our king. Did you get the irony of that? They are so far off. So finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. In Luke, on the front of your outline, it says, he surrendered Jesus to their will. All right, we have five minutes for five excuses. Why is it so hard for people to decide about Jesus? Well, it's like Pilate. I see all of these in here. So here's some common excuses, real quickly. And then I'm going to ask you about you and your life and how you made this decision. So first of all, I hear people say, well, 
it's not a good time for me to accept Jesus. You know, maybe sometime, but not now. I'm busy, I'm still young, I'm too, I'm too young to make this decision, or I'm too old to make this decision, but someday, but not now. It's not a good time. My question is, when is a good time? A good time is now. There's never going to be another time that you know for sure. That's not a good time. Other people say, you know what? I really don't care. It's like Pilate saying, look, you take him and judge him by your life. I'm not, I'm not going to get messed up in this. I don't, I don't really even care that much about what you care about. And sometimes you might be talking to people about Jesus, and they say, well, you know, that's your thing. In fact, another excuse I hear is like what Pilate said, and that is, well, truth is relative. You know, this is good for you, but it's not good for me. So you, you made that decision. You're happy. I'm glad for you. But this is not my thing. And besides, you know, it's whatever you want it to be. Of course, Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the truth and the way and the life. I hear Pilate also saying what I hear some people say, I don't like controversial things. You know, this Jesus thing, it's, some people think this and that, and they kind of fight over it. I, I, I just stay away from politics and religion. I don't like talking about those things. Actually, what's more important to life and death and what's true and what's Jesus God for you? And then there are people who say, I think like, like Pilate is thinking, you know, I could lose my job over this. I don't really want to decide. I mean, I know he could have said, this man is innocent and he will go free. He is who he said he is. He is not guilty of any wrong. He could have said that. But this will mess up my job. Or maybe it will mess up my relationships. Or it will mess up my family, or it'll mess up my future plans, or it'll mess up the schedule I'm on, or this, or that, or the other, or we've heard all these excuses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Pilate's problem is everyone's problem. I think he wished, I wish they never would have brought Jesus to me, but everyone has to make a decision about Jesus. And if you say, well, I just won't decide, then you made your decision. Everyone has to decide. Is Jesus who he said he was? Is he who he is? And I'm just wondering, how was it for you before you had made that decision? What was your excuse? What was holding you back? And how did God get through? Because there's all kinds of people all around us who have these same excuses. And maybe they just need someone like my father's driving the truck saying, when are you going to make a decision for Jesus? When are you going to surrender to him? When are you going to make that decision? That's, a, that's what I'm saying to you. So what was your excuse? Or what is it still if you haven't? decided for him. Because the bottom line really is this. 
The bottom line is either you surrender your will to Jesus, meaning I'll do what you want me to do. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Either you surrender your will to Jesus or this really is just two choices. Or you will surrender Jesus to your will. Like it says on the front of the bulletin, he turned them over to do whatever they wanted to do with him. Well, I hope you've made the first choice. And if not, I'll just tell you right out. Surrender your will to Jesus. Make him your Lord and Savior. What are you waiting for? No excuse is worth missing out on eternity. He is God. He died on the cross from your sins. He did raise from the dead. He said he's coming back. Will you be ready? Surrender today. Let's pray. In fact, if you want to just lift your hands up and surrender, let's say, Lord, you are Lord. Jesus, you are God. I surrender my will to you. Thank you that you have my best interest at heart. You thought of me on the cross when you died for my sins. You're thinking about me now as I pray to you. And either we're sitting here and thanking you that we've already made that decision. Or maybe there's someone here ready to make that decision. I surrender my life to you. And Lord, I hope there's no one here making excuses. But that we all could say, Jesus, you are the risen Savior my Lord and my God. Amen. Our ushers are coming to pass the communion trays. As the tray comes down your aisle, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whether you're a member here or not, if he's your Savior, take the body and the blood of Christ into your heart and soul as we commune together. day he gave me an assignment because I said yeah I, I think I do need to accept Christ he says well I want you to do something he said I want you to call uh, Mac right brother Mac I want you to call a pastor and make an appointment with him within a couple days I had done that within the week 
I have made my public confession and was baptized into Christ. Now I'm giving you assignment. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus yet, why don't you come up to me and say, I'm surrendering today. Or I want to ask you a few questions so I can surrender my life to Jesus. If you have already done that sometime today, in the privacy of your own prayer room, lift up your hands and surrender. And say, Jesus, I'm just letting you know I'm still surrendered to you, my Lord and my Savior. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Let's meet out on the patio.